We are here because we want to build a six-figure profitable business that allows us to use our gifts to serve others, impact the world, and live life on our terms. I'm a no BS entrepreneur. I don't give up. No excuses here. I learn from my failures. I seek discomfort. It helps me grow. I speak my mind. I stand up for what I believe in. I use my gifts to serve others. I empower them. I'm focused. I'm disciplined. I get shit done. I build six-figure businesses. I am a no BS entrepreneur. I'm Afro Duritu, entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and mentor. Now the question you're probably thinking is, how can I build a six-figure profitable business? If that is your question, then this podcast will give you the answer. And welcome to the Afro Duritu podcast show. And today I've got a weekly guest. As every week, I have a weekly guest. And today's weekly guest is Debbie Lewis. So Debbie Lewis started her business at the age of just 21 and had 15 years grew her small chain to award-winning beauty salons, starting with three and expanding to a team of 43 team members before successfully exiting in through acquisition in 2017. It wasn't a smooth sailing and she balanced the highs and lows of National Express and National Press industry flagship status with the lows of almost losing her home, her health after the recession of 2012 and a series of poor choice hires and declining company culture. You certainly can't learn from failure. You certainly learn more from failure than from success. So don't be ashamed of desperately lows. They are springboard to ultimate achievement. Now employed by NatWest Accelerator Business, NatWest Entrepreneur Accelerator, Debbie coaches businesses for all sectors around team, finance, leadership, sales and marketing risk, infrastructure and visioning for growth. Debbie is also involved in her husband's construction business, her own social media marketing agency for salons and recruitment, coaching, networking, companies specifically for hairs and salon. She's often asked to represent beauty palons as well, expert palons, uh, forums, and has judged at several industry awards and competitions. In, in 2019, Debbie revived the MK Twitter-based networking at hashtag MKHour, which meets virtually every Wednesday at 8 p.m. and it tracks over 844 followers. She also hosts hashtag marketing, marketing Monday marketing meetup every Monday, it's a mouthful, uh, between 12.30 and 1.30 via Zoom for small businesses. Uh, with their social media presence and content creation scheduling with a mix of peer-to-peer support, accountability, knowledge sharing and challenges. So welcome to the show, Debbie. Thanks, Afro. It's exhausting just listening to that. All your accolades. <laughs> so Busy, busy. <laughs> busy, busy lady. So to kick off to the show then, so just talk about your journey then. So 21 years is a long time. So how did it all start? How did you get involved? You're supposed to start with you don't look old enough. Come on, where are your manners? You, you don't look old enough, Debbie. You look <laughs> fabulous at uh, 21. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, kind of rewind back to uh, before that, really, when I was at school, um, I was quite academic and my parents, I think, hoped really big things for me. And I just didn't fancy it. I just yeah. didn't want to go to university. I just didn't want to do A-levels. And uh, much to their disgust, I said, I think I want to be a hairdresser. And uh, I remember my maths teacher sitting me down and going, well, you know, we really think you could be doing more with your life. And that was it. I dug my heels in and said, no, I, I want to do hair and beauty. Mm. And that's kind of where the whole thing started. And I hate to say it, but they were kind of right. I kind of <laughs> did need a little bit more stimulation. And after, don't get me wrong, that's not yeah. belittling our industry. Our industry is incredible, but I needed to continuous learning. 
Mm. Um, so by the time I was 17, I was qualified. I was a manager of a salon and um, oh, wow. I kind of knew I was always going to be doing the fast forward version of, of everything from an early age. And it's kind of spiraled from there, really. That's amazing. So, so 50, so because obviously we've still coming out of lockdown at the moment with the pandemic, etc. How is that been for that part of you? Because you deal with a lot of salon owners, a lot of people struggling at the moment. How's that been their journey and there? Because um, the reason, one of the reasons I want you on the show is because you have had a, a business, you've exited a business, you're also part of a lot of entrepreneurs you're around all the time. And you're also still dipping in with the coaching. So you have a, a good pa pattern recognition of what common themes you see. And that's one of the reasons I want to talk to you about. So what is happening at the moment for these people? So there's a massive mix. And, and I guess wearing so many hats. So yes, I'm still heavily involved in the hair and beauty industry. Yeah. But now I'm fortunate that I, I'm dealing with um, 88 businesses every six months with NatWest, where we're supporting sector agnostic entrepreneurs who are all at very different stages of their business. Um, mm. Some of them have been trading 20 odd years. And actually for them, it's a little bit of complacency. They're a bit plateaued. They yeah. want a bit of energy. Um, and for us, Others there, they've scaled up and from a very, very early startup quickly. And so they've learned no skills yet. They've just been really fortunate. Everybody's journey has been so different. Yeah. And I, I know it's cheesy, but I feel so <laughs> blessed to have this role in, in NatWest because we're able to help so many people and support so many people. But I would be on one phone call where, you know, the world is ending and their business has dropped off a cliff and they're... they're marriage is falling apart and they might lose their home and then my next hour zoom call would be somebody who has just landed 10 years worth of business in a month because wow. they've been able to pivot so quickly and 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 so you you really feel for the businesses who are failing mm. but you're so excited and it's such a you know it really tears you yeah because i i believe that perception and perspective are a massive role to play in this and i think if you you can take the negative route. You can see it as an opportunity to grow. It's it's hard because some people are excited and some people are like, I don't want to hear about it. I, I hate it. I, I yeah. want to go back to work. I want to go back to normal. So how I do think you... Sorry, they, they, some people have different external pressures. Yeah. So I think if your business was in trouble, if you had financial pressures before lockdown mm. And then lockdown has brought additional financial pressure. Yeah. That could be the end of it. And no amount of mindset, no amount of great attitude is going to be able to revive a business that has got no cash flow yeah. and has got no facility, no resources, no credit history. No, you know, they're just not going to get turned around. And, and that's a shame, you know, bad mm. timing. But for others, they have really been able to dig themselves out of a horrendous situation with a bit of smart thinking, usually some incredible support around them, whether that's a partner or or a life partner or or, or a coach. Um, but some people are just have really astounded me with the way they've been able to transform a pretty crappy situation into an incredible opportunity. Awesome. So where do you stand now with yours? Because obviously you sold your business. So what made you do that because it it does seem odd not odd to an extent was that always the plan to exit or was it just a decision no. you made short term or no I, 
I actually I listened to an interview recently with Alison Rose, the CEO, the first female CEO of, of, a, of uh, one of the big four uh, in the high street banks. And yeah. I was delighted that she said she didn't have a plan because that was me in business. I just had no plan. I was just yeah. loving life. Um, and and I'd, we grew and we were successful. And I kind of created this incredible beast of a business. Yeah that I didn't know how to handle. We were so busy and so successful and we were earning so much money, but mm. I had zero skills. I had zero uh, foundations. I didn't know why I was so successful. I just had a phenomenal team and I loved what I did. Yeah. And I think all of that got me so far. And then we had this horrendous double dip recession and I had to learn quick smart, otherwise, mm. you know, lose everything, horrendous time. Um, but after that, it made me stronger um, and a better entrepreneur and business owner because I knew my numbers. And instead of making emotional and reactive decisions, I was strategic and I was planning and everything was calculated, but still with that passion and energy, but it was much more balanced. Yeah. Um, and then, um, unfortunately, my dad passed away quite suddenly and he'd always been my sounding board. Um, I'm an only child. And, uh, and my dad was, I wouldn't say kind of cheesily he was my best friend, but in business, he was really my right hand man. He never worked in the business, but he gave great advice. And kind of overnight, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Just didn't oh, wow. feel the same. And I wish with hindsight, I had taken a bit of a step back instead of a bungee jump. <laughs> yeah. Because actually my business was incredible and I could have run it in a very different way and given myself some space and time. Mm. Um, but I don't regret it because without selling that, I would never have gone on to find um, this position that I genuinely love. Yeah. But you can't take the entrepreneur out of a girl, you know. <laughs> I, re I retired for four days, yeah. gained a weight and then went, I need a job. I need to do something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was my business coach who had helped me grow and, and get organized with my business who said, come and join me. Yeah. You are a testament to everything I have taught. You've done it. You've succeeded. You've got the T-shirt and the uh, and the check to prove it. Um, so I went and did some coaching. My background is teaching. Uh, I did a degree in medical yeah, biology. I remember you saying this before because it's totally, was it, was it me medical biology you said you're going to say something? Yeah. So I remember yeah. that thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to be a cosmetic surgeon, but I couldn't oh, afford the extra two years after my degree to go into medicine per se. So yeah. uh, so I, I bailed. It's been a very convoluted journey. One day I'll write a book. Um, probably only my mum will read it, but it'll be cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I went and joined him uh, in his business and he was incredible. And he taught me so much in a short space of time mm. about coaching but, but I knew that I wanted a bit more structure. Um, I, I love learning and, and I needed it to be a little bit more, I, I felt like I needed to do the learning and get, get the qualification in, in coaching to be able to really be a bona fide um, coach that I could be proud of. Okay. And, and one of my friends who, who ran a business said to me, oh, the, the NatWest Entrepreneur Accelerator is hiring. I'd never heard oh, of okay. them. Yeah. And, and I looked at it and I thought, God, this is too good to be true. This is my dream job. Yeah. Um, I haven't applied for a job. So that was that was three years ago. I hadn't applied for a job for something like 20 years. It's weird, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, really weird. And everyone said to me, you've worked for yourself for too long. You'll not be able to, yeah. to handle a corporate job. And do you know, they're wrong. I absolutely love it. 
but they are very, very um, respectful of the fact that I wanted to keep a side hustle. I wanted to keep yeah. my hair focused uh, recruitment training and events company, um, which now offers social media as well, specifically for salons. Yes. So I do that still. So uh, evenings and weekends um, and, and holidays, I still have my side hustle. And I helped my husband set up his construction business. And I'm still their office manager when they let me. So uh, <laughs> help them with winning business. But compared to 43 team members, seven days a week, 12 hours a day with a yeah. thousand clients a month, this is still part time work. This yeah. is still only half brain engaged. So um, yeah, it, it sounds a lot, but I love it. Yeah. So wh where do you see yourself taking that? And because I think you've mentioned you want to start again, almost, I think we had a brief conversation before <laughs> and go like all out again and start a new business or a new venture. Um, I, I have to laugh because just before COVID, yeah. um, my old salon came up for sale and Ooh. for a split second, <laughs> I thought about buying it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and still to stay, I, I love this job and I don't want to leave it. And I would yeah. still do this. But I thought, oh, now I know what I know. I could run that si yeah. silently. And it was though the universe sent COVID to remind me it's not that simple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't go back. <laughs> so, yeah. So talk to you about, because you, you mentioned your father earlier on, um, having a massive impact in your life. So do you think if your father was still around, do you think you would have sold your business then? Or do you think you might have taking that break was it like literally within that same period of time it, it was Ooh. it was a lot of things at that time so yes it was when yeah. dad passed away but but also I'd I'd met my husband uh, Nick yeah. and in that year we had just got engaged and okay. I'd help him build his business and one of the things that I that weighed really heavy on me was in the construction industry things are very different there's a lot more profit to be made and um, there's a lot less aggravation um in terms of they don't have to deal with a thousand clients a month they go to work yeah. they put up a house they go home they have a laugh they have a blast everyone's self-employed so yeah. none of that hr and red tape um <laughs> and, and they were making <laughs> in terms of profit they were yeah. making a month what i would make in terms of profit in three months six months and it's yeah. because i was paying vat they're not percent vat i was in they were yeah. my staff were employed theirs were self-employed and i kind of started thinking why am i working so blooming hard in an industry where i am at the top of my game everybody asks me you know can you appear on this and can yeah. you come and speak on that i knew i was doing everything right and yet still the margins for me didn't didn't balance with the amount of energy and work I was putting in. And I looked at this other business and it was the first time I'd ever compared myself to something that wasn't high street. So as a family, okay. we'd had bars, restaurants, pubs, all low margin um, companies. Mm. Um, and you do it for the love. You do it yeah. for the passion. You certainly don't do it for the money. Um, and I looked at this construction business and I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> coupled, yeah, coupled with I was involved in a number of other opportunities then. And, you know, I was bright lights and it was all very exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, had I had I known then what I know now, you know, the benefit of hindsight, I would have absolutely just run it differently. And I would have been an absent manager. But I was so immersed. I, I was there seven days a week mm. for the full 15 years. I loved it. So you mentioned that. So what would you change? So what would you have done like if you were a salon owner right now and COVID had happened then? So what, what would you have done? What would you have been your first instinct? Because I've spoken to a few people and obviously I, I, we 
have a brick and mortar business. We are fortunate to switch online, but your industry, I don't think you can. I, I don't know how you would. Um, so what would you do? I encourage all of my salon owners to have multiple revenue streams. Yep, so um, so that when that salon owner has anything like COVID, I mean, we had something not so impactful, but years ago we had a flood and we were closed for three months and oh, wow. couldn't see anyone uh, in the salon for, for months and months. And it was horrendous, mm. but I had all my eggs in one basket. And so all of my income was cut. And it's exactly the same with lockdown. If all you do is service clients and you exchange time for money, it, it's yeah. dangerous. It's uh, so try try and mix it up a little bit. But for the majority of my salon owners that I coach on the side, and for a, a lot of the um, bricks and mortar businesses that we coach at the hub, yeah. furlough the furlough scheme was a game changer because it yeah. meant that they had to worry about team. And once the team was sorted, if you got that ten grand. Uh, uh, grant from the government and that yeah. was able to give you a little bit of pressure off about bills actually you could be really really um impactful with your use of time around being strategic yeah rather than operational so yeah. a lot of my salon owners for the first time ever did their website yeah, um yeah. polished up their logo um but these are these are salon owners who were in a better position financially yeah. they they had a bit of a buffer the ones who maybe only started a few months ago or were struggling financially, you know, they had to go and get jobs. They just had yeah. to go and you know, whatever it was, don't be proud. It was put food on the table and, and get some money in the bank every month. Do you think that a lot of it is due just to not being prepared, essentially, like you've mentioned before? So the people who were successful and, and create something out of this were better prepared and the ones that weren't just kind of struggled and fell apart. And that's similar to most of the time when it's like um, recessions. I guess you went through the recession you mentioned. So is it similar to that, would you say? The ones that grew, grew. The ones that struggled, just continued struggling and ultimately failed. I would love to say it's a black and white answer. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it is. Okay. I think that you could be in a strong financial position. You could have a good mindset. You could yeah. be surrounded by lots of people who, who really supported you. And still something might not work in your favor. Mm. Um, I don't believe in luck. Yeah. I, I don't think that luck is a thing. But I do think that sometimes you you can't prepare yourself for every eventuality. Yeah. And something you might just not be able to prepare for or that you might not have seen coming or you didn't appreciate the impact of can knock you off your feet. Something like a, a very close relative actually contracting COVID, um, mm. being very ill or, or passing away. You know, that can completely knock you, even if you've had everything else lined yeah. up perfectly. That's a good point. Yeah, that's different, I guess. Different yeah. to business if it's something personal, because then, yeah, that could totally throw you off. So great point. Okay, cool. So but as, as you say, on yeah. the flip side of that, people yeah. who were completely unprepared yeah. and um, and didn't get their house in order and didn't know their numbers and didn't have the energy, and did, then they're going to fail. Yeah. So that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I kind of that's what I kind of agree with. But I agree with your point about saying that if it's something like a family member passing away, or something, that can totally destroy everything almost. So I, yeah, that's a fair point. I like that. Uh, cool. So you've ha had this success. You sold your salon. Can I ask how much you sold it for? Is that is that <gasps> can that be disclosed? I, I was tempted not to ask this question. I thought I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> not enough to buy a desert island with, but okay. um, way more than I ever expected to get and. 
more I remember sitting down with my accountant to calculate yeah. what I should put it on the market for yeah. and he kind of said to me salons don't sell for that price and I said yeah but everyone keeps <laughs> telling me I created this monster yeah. and he said you put it on for what you want but I just want to set your expectations yeah. and I took great delight in ringing him up and saying I had three people fighting over it and uh, uh, and I sold it yeah. uh, for the price that I put it up for and it was eight times what I bought it for so it didn't oh, wow. quite okay. 10x it Ooh, um, but I was <laughs> delighted with the eight times that I that I'd done yeah it must have been well well impressed with that okay cool um so in terms of your your husband you mentioned you're in his business how is it like working as a, as a team because obviously me and fire work together as well and we have our high points and it's really exciting and amazing and there's a low points where we're like oh my god i don't want to work with this person anymore so how do you find that balance and and to separate the two because i always find this interesting because i don't find as many couples in business that talk about it often enough so we have an interesting relationship when it comes to business and unlike you and Farah, we are not I don't work as closely with Nick as you do with Farah and okay. we are a perfect yin and yang. I love all the stuff that he hates okay. and he loves all the stuff. So he is entirely operational. He deals with all of the team. Um, he, he liaises with all of our um, contractors and suppliers. I really am doing all of the office side of it. So I do uh, prep, all, all the prep for uh, the accountant, yeah. write all of the tender letters, send out the invoices, do the chasing. So everything for me really is a bit back of house. Yeah. Um, but he hates being coached. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm always coming, laugh, come yeah. on, we need a strategy day. Yeah. We need to plan yeah. for the future. And yeah. he's like, don't bring that coaching to me. Yeah. No. It's, it's hard. It's hard. You can't coach family, I don't think. Uh, in any <laughs> state, weight or shape or form. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Again, me and Farah have the same conversation all the time. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And you, yeah. you slip in little bits and then he'll go, I know what you're doing. I yeah, know I you're know, yeah. I've, I've read that book or <laughs> I saw that podcast. You're like, oh, my secret's out. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what do you think? Obviously, you've been at NatWest how long for now? Just over two years two now. Years, yeah. My goodness, it's gone fast. So two year, within that two-year period, what have you seen in terms of similarities of success with entrepreneurs and what have you seen in terms of where they tend to go wrong? Just so you can have an understanding of what success looks like and what a struggling entrepreneur looks like and how to almost get out of those situations. That's a very long it's, question. It's no, that's okay. Uh, I, I like very long answers, as you know. So Go we're uh, anything. <laughs> um, I, I tell you the one thing that's really surprised me is you never know when you interview somebody, and, and we get an awful lot of applicants for the limited number of places. Yeah. Sometimes you get a feeling about somebody and you go, do you know what? I really believe in this person. I really think they've got it. They're going to be the unicorn. They're going to be that special business. And they often are not. Yeah. And even though they they talk the talk and, and they've got you know great opportunities, it, it never seems to kind of get get there. Um, but they're still fabulous with what yeah. they're doing. But it's never quite as we expect it to be. And then there are other people who come along that you kind of have not low expectations but limited expectations, yeah. and you think. I, I, I know, I'm not sure I, I'm behind the concept, but they seem passionate about it. I can't find any holes. It's quite robust, but yeah. I don't get it. And, and they'll come in at two months later and they're doing amazing, amazing things. Yeah. So it's really, um, 
it's really sobering that no matter how many businesses you coach, no matter how many stories you hear, that there is still so much um, surprise and admiration. Um, Sometimes as well, it's people, people's circumstances affect so much their ability to achieve, Mm. Um, whether that's relationship breakdowns, financial situations, children being you know having difficulties with children um and and your heart really goes out to some people because they deserve so much more they deserve so much better and you just pray that they have the strength to get through this really difficult period to come bouncing back and some people don't some people just don't have the resilience and they say do you know what i need time out i need to just go go and get a job um not that that's a bad thing but they need a break. They're so exhausted with it all. And and I hate that when I know they're so close. It's like that digging for gold. Oh, that, that, that yeah. I, I, that picture always resonates with me. And that's why I keep going. It's like, I can't stop because I could be so close <laughs> or I'm yeah. so close, etc. So yeah, totally relatable. Cool. And then uh, my next question then is um, about yourself. So what's been your biggest high as an entrepreneur? <sighs> As an entrepreneur, rather than in this new role, my biggest high, we were nominated for a uh, national apprenticeship award. So we, in the 15 years, we had over 100 apprentices in hair and beauty. Uh, We were one of the biggest apprenticeship providers in Milton Keynes. Um, And we were nominated by the college for an apprenticeship award. And we were up against, I think, like John Lewis and BT. And then there was little (laughs) me with my son. And uh, I remember going and sitting at, uh, it was in Cambridge, the regional heat, and Matt Dawson, the famous rugby player, was oh, yeah. announcing the win. We won our regional heat, and I thought, oh my God, this is the best feeling ever. And they said, oh, you're going to go through to the national finals because of the point scoring. Um, and I remember we we actually won the national award. We were in all of national wow. press. I was on stage with Amanda Holden. My wow. only regret is I had the most horrendous outfit I, on. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> When I won my uh, speaking award, I was wearing like a t-shirt and some terrible trousers. I was like, "No, yeah. I would take a t-shirt and trousers." Afro. <laughs> I dress that can only be described as I look like Miss Piggy, big oh, curly no. blonde hair yeah. and a pink dress, and and not being a slender little thing. I really somebody should have said, "Girl, no yeah. this." Oh, and so now I kind of put the pictures away because yeah. it's horrendous. Yeah, so the award's <laughs> there, but no pictures, no evidence, <laughs> just the award. <laughs> Yeah. And I know that that's quite egotistical that it was an award. But for me, it was winning something so big when I felt that my little business was so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And for me, a success was having a happy team and a happy client base and paying my bills and washing my face every, you know, every month financially was all I ever dreamed of. So to kind of stand there on that national stage with a celebrity having your picture take, I was like, I think I should be quite proud of myself. Yeah. This is quite good. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well was. Uh, and then you mentioned... Your... Oh, go on. <laughs> Selling my business and getting the check. That was the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, top, it's got to be top three. Uh, I guess my next question then is about uh, your... You mentioned your team a few times. So what do you think it takes to build a team? Because I know you don't... No, oh, you've mentioned it before yourself, so a little insider. But you mentioned that you you were never that kind of person who was like you wanted to listen to people their sub story. Like, come on, let's go. You've said that before. So how have you found? Because I'm the same. And when you said that, I was like, yeah, that's like me. I, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. But let's let's get on with the work. So how have you like adjusted your behaviors around to build that team? Because you wouldn't have that success without that team with you. So how have you done that? 
I, I, I laugh because if any of yeah. my team, my my former team were listening to this, they they would probably be laughing into their cups of tea. <laughs> I I was I am a softy and I okay. I'm not hard, I'm not strict, yeah. and I've let people get away with blue murder, but when I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. And um for me, it's excuses. Excuses, blame and denial. I can't stand bad attitudes yeah. and lazy people in life generally, not okay, just gotcha. in business. And um, I think because I am such a hard worker, like yeah. I am a grafter. Yeah. And so when I see people trying to do the lazy way out or ride on somebody else's coattails, I've got no tolerance. I just yeah. call it out in a nice way, in yeah. a really nice way. <laughs> but when people, um, I don't like it when people take advantage of, of nice people's nature. Yeah. Um, so when I had the team, I probably arguably for too many years was a bit too soft. Okay. And then when times got tough and I really had to um, analyze my behavior, that's when, I, that's when I started being less emotionally vulnerable and more emotionally intelligent and actually spent a lot of time personally developing around emotional intelligence I realize and recognize I am an unusual female in that I'm not super soft super girly and very um uh I'm not one of those women who says oh I I think I didn't get that because I'm a woman or I don't feel comfortable in men's networking yeah I am not I, I'm not bothered by the fact that I'm female. I, yeah. I believe I have as much right to be in a room as any man. Yeah. Um, but I'm also not an aggressive alpha female. Yeah. So I'm not one of those um, Mary Portis is kind of my my yeah. my role model there is that she, you know, she acted like a man and yeah. she's written a book now to say how that made her so unhappy. Yeah. But I kind of felt like I was always riding in the middle and I was very emotionally intelligent, mm. even though my personal level was quite low on the old um sensitivity front yeah i like that so you did you have to like read anything or develop your skills with a coach or how how did you go about that then so what tactics did you use around all all that stuff but my preference is workshops Ah. i love immersive learning so i do like a read but it's got to be a short book i've got the attention span of a gnat okay Um, same as podcasts, same as, as webinars. If they're half an hour, I'm good. Yeah. Anything longer than that, I'm a bit like, oh, what's the tea? Yeah. Um, so I love going on workshops and I love people and listening to people's stories. Um, so for me, it was all about attending um, events for, for emotional intelligence. Um, and actually, interestingly, since stepping into the NatWest role, people often comment on my emotional intelligence because it's so different to the way that I actually feel um is when somebody says you know oh I'm really struggling I'm like come on pick yourself up but I know that that's not always appropriate Mm. so you put your work hat on and go right what's the right thing to say and how can I support somebody who doesn't think and feel the way I do Mm. um because everyone's so different yeah you, you must see that quite a lot in your role especially in that west yeah. Yeah. huge amount and you'd be surprised how much your words can impact somebody um that you know they really are they can be incredible weapons mm. and so you have to be really really careful about the things that you say to people yeah and then with that journey then what's been your lowest moment then in your entrepreneurial mm. journey yourself the lowest moment. so um oh again i can have two greedy um <laughs> Have as many as you want. <laughs> we'll start when with I, one. I mentioned that my dad passed away quite suddenly. Yeah. Um, and I remember it being on a payroll day. <laughs> I'll never forget that he passed away on the 19th because that was when I ran payroll. Yeah. 
Um, and I remember people ringing and texting me about payroll on, on, on the night that my dad had passed away. And I just remember being thinking, I hate this business. I hate that I can't even have this time. And a couple of days later, through no fault of her own, my manager, who was a close friend and a massive confidant, and she she propped up my business. Um, she handed in her notice. She wanted something different from her life. And to have that double whammy mm. really hit me emotionally, really hit me emotionally. And, and like I mentioned earlier, you can have everything going for you. Yeah. But if something is not right, in your personal life, it can completely take your feet from under you. Um, and that was a really low point because I'd, I'd never felt those feelings before and I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, actually, had I have had a bit of counselling, I might not have sold my business, but that's yeah. another story. Um, and then the other time was, was um, when I had to walk away from one of my businesses. Uh, very, very difficult decision. Uh, but it just financially, I had to do it. It was draining me. It wasn't yeah. making any money. And it was it, it was kind of walk away from it and, and face bankruptcy to, to save a bigger picture. Yeah. Um, there is nothing worse than financial stress. Um, it literally made me lose my hair and yeah. horrible, horrible side effects and symptoms um, that you, you wouldn't wish on anybody. And, and actually, once once you've come out of that, you appreciate the money so much more than when you had loads of it. To come to almost losing everything really makes you focus on what's important. So what was the turning point that made it, obviously, you come out of that situation? Because that sounds like it could have been, that could have gone either way. <laughs> um, my mum my often describes me as a dog with a bone. Okay. Um, I am very tenacious, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs are. Uh, I wasn't going to let that beat me. Yeah. I wasn't done. Yeah. Um, awesome. And I knew I had great advice. I had great support. My accountant was phenomenal. Um, my dad, my team. Yeah. Um, every morning I woke up and I knew that they were there. You know, whatever whatever I decided, it was going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and I, think you work on your own, and you you only have you. I don't think I'd have got through that. Mm. I don't think I could have done it solo. You need a good you need a good support network for everything. Yeah, I think that's true, hundred percent. Like obviously being part of the accelerate program as well, you get that, and you get, I'm part of other programs and networks. And you, you once you immerse yourself with other people, it, it's it makes such a difference to your world because then you just become you start to look at people and go, actually, it's not just me who feels this way. Oh, she feels like that. He feels that way. So you get that that kind of feeling of you're not alone, and I think that's very important, yeah. especially in entrepreneurship. Yeah, and you know you've found the right people when somebody says to you, that's a really, really crap idea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've had that enough. Don't worry about that. <laughs> We've discussed that before. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. You've, you've got to have people who genuinely want to tell you the truth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, when that incident happened, obviously I spoke to you about it. And I spoke to about it in the podcast as well. That, that moment, I had a little of a low moment. It took me about a good couple of weeks to think, all right, where am I going with this? What am I doing? And it's hard that when you hear that and you're not ready for that or prepared for that. Um, so it can be tough, yeah. But yeah. 100%. But, but it's got to come from somebody that whose opinion you respect. Yeah, 100%. Because, you know, it, it is only somebody else's opinion. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's not the wrong idea. It's the wrong time or the wrong place or the wrong people. Sometimes it's only one element of it that's wrong. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Uh, and then as... On your journey of entrepreneurship, obviously joining that West, 
What do you think you see that common mistakes they make as entrepreneurs then as they're coming through the program? Is there things you're like, oh, I wonder if they did change that? Or do you see the common thing and you're like, oh my God, why is no one getting this? Because you must see patterns of behavior that are just so consistent. You're smiling yeah. and you're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, what am I allowed to say? No, yeah, I know, yeah. Um, obviously, I can't give any <laughs> no, specific yeah, details. No names. But <laughs> the reason why, and, and there are, you know, there's, there's again, there's no tick list of you're going to yeah. see these things and this is going to happen. Some people do awful things with terrible plans and have incredible results. Yeah. I'm always very jealous of those lucky yeah. people. <laughs> um, other people do everything right and they're knocking on all the right doors and they're lovely people and they still get no success. Yeah. And and so there aren't there aren't any rules that you can follow to be a hundred percent certain but the one thing I notice that I wish there was a cure for yeah is people who they come in every month to a check-in they yeah. say all the right things yeah they come back a month later and they've done nothing yeah but they're still talking about all the things as if they've done it or as if they're going to do it or it's not even excuses it's just it's all hot air. There's nothing actually yeah. going on. Um, and, and that's really difficult because in their mind, they are doing it, but they're yeah. not physically doing it. Yeah. And that's a difficult conversation to have when you're kind of having to say, I'm hearing you say this, but actually what I'm seeing is this because mm. they don't they don't like that. They don't want to hear that. And it comes from a really genuine place. Yeah. Sometimes you have to call people out. Yeah. Um, and actually, they're the hardest conversations, but they're the ones people thank you the most for in the end. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is um, knowing when to give up. I yeah. had a very difficult conversation with an entrepreneur who had plowed hundreds of thousands of pounds into an mm. idea. Wow for years and years and years and years and was getting no success and I was maybe coach number three and I said do you know what at what point do you call time on this yeah um and they did and it, it was a very low point personally they really struggled and you know what they came back six months later with a brand new business concept and it, it was incredible and it took off okay. but had I not <laughs> yeah. said what are you doing? When is this going to stop? I don't know how long they would have gone on for. And that's heartbreaking. When you see that the people in your life are suffering because of the decisions you're making, but either you're too stubborn or you're, I don't know what the driver is. Some people really don't mean it, but they can't give it up. Um, and to know that they're, they're ruining relationships and financial security just because of this tenacity is, is horrible. It's hard conversation. Yeah. Yeah, Cause it has, it has its pluses. Like we said before, but then it has its minuses, like you said. Like when when do you give up the ghost? When do you stop trying to push this thing when no one's buying and no one's interested, and, and etc. So, yeah. Yeah, it's all about balance. Yeah, yin and yang. <laughs> so, talking about um, what's been the biggest success stories in then? So, when you thought bloody hell that worked really well, you're like, oh my god, that's amazing, and someone absolutely crushed it. It's probably a tech company, isn't it? <laughs> no, do, do you know what? There are some that I actually can't talk about, yeah, okay, <laughs> which I hate. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll come, there are we'll get some you back that, on that, are, <laughs> that are way bigger, but I'm just not allowed to talk about them. Okay. Um, probably one of the stories that I love telling, and I actually didn't coach them. They were in the Milton Keynes hub, and um, yeah. I they they were leaving as I joined. But you know, um, Gaz and. Um, Oh my goodness, I can't think of his partner's name. That's but Booth. The, sorry? Booth. Yes. Yeah. From the, Holy Moly. Yeah, I went to university with him. I can't like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. So, Tom, Gaz yeah. and Tom, it's yeah. finally come to me. 
Um, and these guys, if you ever get a chance, in fact, you have to have them on your podcast. I- I'm trying to get him they- on. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm not sharing anything that they haven't shared in public speaking yeah. um, gigs. Is that they were they kind of maxed their last credit card. You know, they yeah. they they were really this has got to work or we're going to have to give it up. And they were both in full time employed jobs, yeah. um, and they just landed everything so perfectly. They make guacamole. Yeah. They uh, over in Mexico. They had an avocado farm. They created, and I've got some in my fridge. Genuinely, it's yeah. just started being stocked in Tesco's yeah, this I month. I saw the post. Yeah, LinkedIn. I love it. It's yeah. absolutely delicious. But I remember them landing their first uh, stock in Waitrose, Ocado, yeah. and then it was on. I, I can't remember if it was British Airways or the Orient Express, but it, it was like really premium level. And they were like, "Our little guacamole has made yeah. it." to all of these places and then just two guys from Milton Keynes who you know they'd recently got married just had a baby didn't have a team gave up their jobs and for me they are doing so so well um and they're living the dream now they are they earn every penny of that awesome so how how many years ago was that then two two years ago wasn't it yeah two years ago yeah yeah he literally just got into Tesco recently hasn't he because like you said a great name, by the way. <laughs> Holy moly, guacamole is like, oh, <laughs> genius. I don't know how he got that. <laughs> yeah, and they are such nice guys. Yeah. They are so nice. Awesome. Cool. Um, what tips then would you give to someone who's starting out an entrepreneur journey? Then? So if you were, somebody came up to you go, Debbie, I want to be an entrepreneur. What would you say to them? Where would mm. you go? What would you study? Where would you start? Because obviously it's very popular now with like likes of Gary Vee and... Um, you know, all these big names talking about entrepreneurship is now cool, if you like, as they say, versus a businessman or businesswoman. So, yeah. So what tips would you give or strategies or? Um, crikey, there are so many. I, I think the first thing is be financially secure. Um, people who come into entrepreneurship who who only have six months they're like i've got six month runway but then i've got to go and get a job and yeah. um, if you are giving up everything to start a business make sure you've got enough money in the bank to cover you and your basic expenses for i don't know a year 18 months mm-hmm. as a bare bare minimum three years ideally um because you'll make stupid decisions when you're desperate for money yeah. and it, it, you're not doing things for the right reasons So I think being as financially secure as you can or balancing it, have a side hustle, start with a small concept while you're working. Mm. Um, And and I think an important point with that is be transparent. I absolutely hate when people are employed and they're running a side hustle and they're letting their employer down because they're moonlighting. If you can't find a job that supports it and, and you can be transparent, open and honest, it's not right. You can't, I really believe in karma and reciprocity yeah. and what you put out is going to come back to you. So do the right thing always. Be honest and true to yourself and, and don't, um, I can't swear, but don't, don't do the <laughs> S word on people. You can swear, I don't mind. You can swear. Um, the other thing is surround yourself with incredible people who yeah. are doing better than you. Um, I know that you had Niraj on last week yeah. and he's, he's a believer in coaching and coaches yeah. and, and it's true all successful coaches have coaches we all have coaches at the NatWest Accelerator to improve us um, as as well as having private coaches for different things but you need to surround yourself with excellence um, Mm. because you don't want to be the smartest person in the room and you don't want to be the biggest fish in a pond yeah 100% I I wrote a blog about that so true 
Awesome. Cool. And then would you say entrepreneurs are born or made? Ah. <laughs> you know, I genuinely believe yeah. that they're made. However, when I look back at my journey, so yeah. my mum and dad, neither of them went to university. They didn't get A-levels. They just came out of school and went into a job. That's what they did back then. Uh, they never had any aspirations to be anything more. Uh, they weren't academic. They, they, they never were driven by money. And I didn't really have any role models in my life growing up that made me switch on to entrepreneurship. So mm. either I'm I'm one of the anomalies yeah. because I really believe that I, this is just who I am. My my husband says to me, "What are we doing now? What is you know what is this new business idea? What's this new campaign <laughs> project?" Because I never switch off; yeah. it is in my blood. Um, and and he's the same. Every entrepreneur in my friendship circle is the same. Yeah. But were we made what? I, I don't, I can't, looking back, I don't see that I was influenced by anybody who I thought, yes, I want to be like that. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, the jury's out. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. Like, my parents weren't in, in to, to have businesses. No one around me had a business or business sense or anything like that. So, I agree. It's, it's, it's a tough one. I'm going to ask every guest that question. So, I want to know what, yeah. what, the, what answers I get. Yeah, I, I guess. So I would ask you, what was your inspiration? Because mine was money. Ooh, I just got frustrated um, being in the role I was. So being in Debenhams for like eight, nine years, and it was the same thing again and again. It got very monotonous for me. So I would go from one store and build the team up, and then it would be successful, and go to another store do the same thing. I did that five times over like six year period. So it always get. Obviously, it had highs and lows in that moment, but I always get promoted or moved to a bigger store, and it just got mundane and boring. And essentially, I was like, I'm not really doing anything to inspire or impact, impact the world or anything bigger than just selling clothes, essentially, working in retail. And, and that was my biggest frustration. I was like, I want to have a bigger impact in the world, bigger significance. And I think that stems probably from my dad, if I'm being honest, because he wasn't around growing up. So I didn't have that influence. So I was a bit loose in my 20s, shall we say. <laughs> That is so much better an answer than me saying money, isn't it? <laughs> Everyone's different. Everyone's got their journey. No, but to put it in perspective, so growing up, we lived in council houses. We didn't have cars. Yeah. We didn't have money. Yeah. And I just remember looking at the rich people in my school and being like, oh, I wish we had a holiday. We never went on holiday. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I just would love to have a better way of life. Yeah. And, and actually now, having had money and had a business that did incredibly well, Actually, I now understand that money's not the be all and end all. Yeah. And actually, I now have far less money every month than I had then, but I'm way happier. Yeah. I'm so much more relaxed. And I have great, you know, family time and balance with my friends that I never had when I was not rolling in money, but I had plenty of money coming in and, and you know, was, was all about the handbags and the four by fours. Yeah. Now it's a simple life and I'm much happier. Because that, that's very common, isn't it? You see people just focus on money. And when they get it, it's like, oh, no, it's not what I thought it was. I'm, I I'm not enjoying it. So then they take a step back like you did and do something different. And then they start to go, oh, this is good again. So it's interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Right. Some of the people I know are the least happy people I know. Yeah. Very common when you read things in blogs and podcasts and see that. Cool. Awesome. All right. I've got the last five questions for you, Debbie. I asked every single guest. I, I should name this round or something, but I've not named it anything. <laughs> so what is your definition of an entrepreneur? So how would you define it? Oh, an entrepreneur is somebody who 
is committed to making something from nothing, yeah. regardless of how long it takes. Cool. I like that. They, yeah. Yeah. Solid. Leave it there. <laughs> and then what three pieces of advice would you give an entrepreneur who's struggling with their business? So I know you dipped in and out of that, but there's three specific things. Yeah. Um, know your numbers. Okay, cool. It's yep. number one. You yep. cannot make decisions about the future of your business without knowing your numbers. Number two, step back. Yeah. Sometimes you are so, so committed to making it work that mm. you're not thinking rationally. Um, sometimes that's asking other people's opinions, but taking a step back and yeah. work on facts, not emotions. And number three is, and this is kind of a doubled, surround yourself with incredible people because yeah. it should be fun. Yeah. If you're not enjoying it, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I like that one. Go back to number one just for a second. Why do you think people struggle with knowing their numbers? Because I was messaging an entrepreneur today, um, just back and forth about his numbers, and he didn't have a clue about any of them. I was a bit like, how do you not know this stuff? So why do you think people don't like think of it or consider it to be important? Is it? Is... I was so bad at my numbers. Yeah. When I had, when when things were good, the first maybe seven years of my business, yeah. things were incredible, and money was coming in regardless. And I yeah. always had more money coming in than going out. I didn't need to know my numbers. Yeah. Ignorance. Yes, I did, but I <laughs> thought I. Did. Yeah. And my accountant just would give me, you know, last year's accounts, and I'd pay my bills yeah. and. Life was good. But when things got tough, all of that laissez fair attitude was suicide. I just had no concept of departmental success and failure. You know, I was propping up a department in my business that should have been closed years ago, but yeah. I didn't know it because I didn't dive yeah. the numbers. Um, I think it's people who are entrepreneurial generally are not all about the detail. Yeah. And there are some people that are we've got some entrepreneurs who are incredible on numbers and details yeah. but most of us are like yeah it'll work itself yeah. out we're quite optimistic <laughs> um <laughs> it's not a good way to live it's hard it's do you think because i read simon senate's book and he talks about like everyone's one's a visionary and one's more like um practical so like if you have like uh steve jobs and wozniak so you have that balance of someone who's visionary and then someone who actually gets into the dirt and does actual work. Do you think you need that kind of balance of maybe a business partner or someone in your business to balance that out? Or can that person be one person? I think if you are extreme one way or the other, yeah. you need another person to balance you out. But most of us are kind of a crazy mix of all of them. Yeah. And we, we dominate in some areas than others under different pressures. Yeah. Um, I think most of us, if we put our mind to it and we have the right environment and um, stick or carrot, yeah. I think we could we could ace any of it. But the yeah. trouble is we're spinning so many plates, you take your eye off the ball. And that's why it's good to have talent that can prop you up in areas that you're not so good at. Because yeah. you can boss anything if you've got enough time and um, and, and motivation. Like boss anything, I like that. That should be a catchphrase or <laughs> slogan. <laughs> I'm all about the cheese cliches, me. <laughs> I, love, I love it. <laughs> so am I. Um, if you were to start again in business, uh, what would you change then? I think you kind of answered this a little bit, but. If I had to go back and do it yeah. again, would I change anything? No, yeah. because I genuinely have learned so, so much yeah. through everything. But if I had to go back and yeah. start again. Um... DeLorean out. <laughs> yeah i don't know i want to do everything can i have another 12 lives please <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I really want to try everything. Yeah. Everybody's businesses are so exciting. Yeah. Um, and when people get it right, it's magic. I love yeah. it. Yeah. That's amazing because you're seeing it like happen and people grow. It's like being a teacher almost, isn't it? See that child grow up and, and be successful. Yeah. 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 Cool. And no then... one brings that. So... <laughs> And then what uh, What does financial freedom mean to you then? So you've kind of tapped, doubled in that a little bit. Financial freedom means something completely different to me now than it yeah. did before. And I, and I think that there'll be another chapter ahead because I haven't prepared for my retirement. So financial yeah. freedom for me in the future is going to look different. Yeah. But right now it's having enough money to make to make decisions that are not based on finances. If, okay. if I want to do something, yeah. um, and, and not extravagantly, but if I want to have a weekend away or I want to go out for a meal with my friends, it's yeah. having enough money and knowing I haven't got to go without in another area of my life. Yeah. So it's having enough to live the lifestyle that I want, but mm. realizing that that's not the lifestyle I thought I wanted, which would have required a lot more money, yeah. that actually doesn't bring happiness and you never have enough. Yeah, yeah, limitless. Cool. And then what one message would you give to all entrepreneurs out there? So if you had like a massive like magnifo magnifone? Microphone. Uh any <laughs> microphone? What are them things called? Megaphone. There we go. Mega if you had a massive <laughs> megaphone <laughs> and you could say to every entrepreneur in the world, what would your message be? Oh, it would be remiss of me not to use this opportunity to say, join the NatWest Business Builder. There we go, there's the plug. <laughs> do the, do the no. Sharon spiel. <laughs> all, all joking aside, yeah, find something, whether it's the NatWest Business Builder or Accelerator or something else, yeah. join some kind of accelerator where the people who are running it don't have a vested interest in your success. Mm. Um, there are a lot of networking groups where they, they want to support each other because it's mutual gain. Yeah. I love what West are doing because there is, no, yes, it would be lovely if you loved it so much that you banked with them, but that's yeah. not the deal. You go in and you be the best that you can be with all the free support and you you have a community that you can take away forever. Yeah. Um, and it's it's there just no downside, no catch. Yeah. Sign up for something that will help you because business is hard enough and lonely enough yeah. and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, cool, awesome, good point. Um, I was going to go back a bit because you mentioned something poignant there and I didn't ask the question. So networking, what do you, what's your view on networking? Because I find that some are people just talking at you and it's a bit like, I do this, here's my card. How, how do you handle networking? Do you think it's a good thing or... You're smiling because you must have a, a, a view and opinion on this. So let, let's hear it. I love networking. <laughs> yeah. I love networking. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, um, a love-hate in our team. So yeah. um, there are people within our team who, who really dislike networking yeah. and, and feel that it's not a waste of time, but it's not for them. Yeah. I love people yeah. and I am a real connector. And I cannot get through a coaching session without saying, oh, you should go and have a conversation yeah. with X, Y, and Z. That, that's a real thing, that uh, one of the um, toolkits that I leverage. Yeah. And I wouldn't have that if I didn't go networking. But I think if you're going to networking just to sell, you'll be disappointed. Yeah. Because networking is about building relationships. It's about a longer game. And actually, there's no immediate return on investment. And you'll eat a lot of breakfast and you'll drink a lot of <laughs> rubbish coffee. But you, you should forging amazing relationships and that's where the value is 
Awesome. I like the way you said that. Awesome, Debbie. Anything you want to plug at the end? Oh. Loads of things to plug. Your M-K-L list was very long. Wednesday night on Twitter. <laughs> yep. Well, no. <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, yeah. respect to you. It's a hard job and it's not for everyone. And uh, know that you're not alone. And, and I think as well, don't pretend. There are safe spaces where yeah. you can be super honest. Sometimes it takes people a really long time to open up and say, I'm not coping. Yeah. Or I put on this bravado and it looks okay, but actually it's 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 all debt and, and worry. Um, find somebody to confide in because uh, you needn't you needn't feel that way and you needn't suffer alone. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome, Debbie. Thank you for being an amazing guest. Thank you for no having me. And thank you for being an amazing interviewer. Oh, cheers. <laughs> well, that's Debbie. Thank you. Take care and speak soon. If you're an entrepreneur or looking to start your own business, have a few clients but want more and more sales into your business, then join the Six Figure Challenge today. In this challenge, I share with you the foundations to build a six-figure business with a step-by-step challenge. So start the challenge today by going to www.6-figurechallenge.com and I'll see you there. Woo!